The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Episode 22 of the Talkin' Buds podcast. Ryan, it's been like just over a week since our last episode, and it feels like it's been a month. Dude, that's the first thing I was going to say to you. Like, doing this week to week, one episode a week, is is challenging sometimes because there's so many juicy stories throughout the days that we aren't doing the podcast. They almost want to hop on right away and talk about Johnny T and the island. Johnny T back in Scotiabank on Saturday. So we're going to catch up on all those things as well as some new events here on episode 22. It is our time talking buds. So you just alluded to it. So let's kind of go in chronological order here. So let's talk about John Tavares getting viciously booed on the island. First of all, just give me your reaction to that occurrence. What did you think? How did you feel watching that? Oh, I think... That is a perfect example of a hockey game that just just from the crowd and just from the atmosphere, you can hear, you can see watching even at home on your television. Like it, it, it was it felt like a completely different hockey game than a normal regular season hockey game. Like my emotions were running high. And usually when the Leafs stink it up in a regular season game, you get a little frustrated and you're like. Okay, whatever. It's game of whatever of 82. There, there's there's so many more hockey games to play. We can get over this one. But in a game like that, and where the emotions are so high, and a guy is getting just berated. Like, oh my dude, they were relentless. Maybe the most harsh crowd towards a former player I have ever seen in my life. No, maybe, Ryan. I, I never in my life have seen a crowd viciously viciously go after a single player like that that was unbelievable to watch oh it was absolutely insane and just you just felt for the guy all night and you can kind of get why the fans were upset but on the other hand it's like screw you islander fans like your team has been your franchise has been a joke since your stanley cups in the 80s you guys are blame garth's how about you boo garth snow don't don't boo john tavares blue Boo Garth Snow, please. And then his teammates sort of... I thought they started the game pretty good, and then as soon as that Hyman goal got called back, that was that was na-na for the Maple Yeah, Leafs. it was just a really disappointing game through and through. Like, just you wanted to see them show just a little bit of sack out there, man. Like, it's just... It's such a big... Like, it's the easiest thing to get up for in a regular season game like you go into that game you know is going to feel different than all the other hockey games during the regular season and 
it's the easiest game to get up for. If I was a player in that dressing room, I would know what was coming. I would look at Johnny T and I go, I got you tonight, buddy. I'm going to be the biggest pain in the ass on the ice all night and try to get that crowd's attention on me. And I'd be just playing out of my mind, trying to piss every single Islander player off to throw that crowd off. But no, they showed up and they just sucked. So they come back on Saturday and... We as Leafs Nation, obviously upset about how one of our star players was treated. So the mayor comes out and names it Tavares Day T.O. Hashtag Tavares Day T.O. He gets a big standing ovation. And I was kind of caught off guard by the mixed reaction this got. Like, to me, like, I know that there's some people who are just like, come on, we're better. We're better than this. We don't need to uh, lower ourselves to responding to the fans in Long Island, whatever. But it's like, it's just another narrative started by the Toronto media who just always has to have a storyline. It's like, who cares? Like, let the people cheer. Let the guy feel good. I'm like, I'm worried about what's happening on the ice. Like, why is everyone getting so bent out of shape over Tavares Day T.O.? Makes no sense to me. Well, it's like, how about us as a fan base and the people who actually pay their tickets to go to Scotiabank, how about we show a little bit of emotion and start cheering ourselves? There was louder Freddy and Goalie go chants last night in Calgary than there has been all season in that building. So it's nice seeing that the crowd actually get up for once and make the players feel like this is a proud home rink that we play in and that there's an advantage when we play here because... Dude, like, you just look at their road record this year. It's a lot of the struggles they've had at home. Like, sometimes that barn doesn't feel like a home rink. So it was kind of nice to see a Toronto crowd get riled up for once and show some love for their team. So do, do we think that um, getting their asses handed to them, quite frankly, in New York by the Islanders served as sort of a wake-up call? Because since that game, they responded with a... Big 5-2 win over the Buffalo Sabres, and then another big, impressive win last night over the Calgary Flames, 6-2. So, are you buying the narrative that this was a wake-up call for the Maple Leafs? No, not a chance am I buying that narrative. Not a chance. This team is so inconsistent, and they've been inconsistent all year. And you look at the teams they've beaten— They're all kind of teams that play the same similar style as the Maple Leafs. There's the Canadians, there's the the Sabres, the the Oilers, the Flames last night. And then you look at the heavier teams, the St. Louis's, the the Capitals, and, and teams like that. And they've struggled against those hockey teams. I just don't feel like one game, even though it was such an important game in the island, and if I was a Leaf player after that game, I would have been embarrassed but not for a second do I think that motivates this hockey team to be like, we got to start playing better. They're just wildly inconsistent. All right, Ryan, since this is the type of show where we're not doing it immediately after a game, so we don't necessarily need to run through a bunch of game notes, I want to debut a segment that you didn't necessarily see coming. So your reactions on this are going to be totally candid. This segment is called Fire and Ice. So I want to know, first, I want the storylines, the players, the things that have happened who are getting you fired up, and then I want to know who's leaving you out in the cold. So I'll start. Trevor Moore's addition to the fourth line has me super fired up. 
Since that guy's come up, the fourth line has been producing at a torrid pace. Each one of his line mates has scored. Freddie the Goat, the newly acquired Nick Batan, and then last night, Tyler Ennis with the hat trick. So this guy, it's becoming more and more clear that trading Parr Lindholm was less about acquiring Nick Batan and more about creating a spot for Trevor Moore. Oh, yeah, dude, 100%. 100%, because Dubas knows Trevor Moore better than anyone, being with the Marlies. And, dude, Parr Lindholm, I got to get the clip earlier in this podcast history where I said I'm a Parr Lindholm guy, and we can all sit around for five minutes and roast me for saying that. What What an idiot I was for saying that. Getting this guy off that line is the greatest thing this team's done all year. Like, it shows you how bad he was offensively and how he had nothing to contribute Trevor Moore just brings a sense of urgency speed, speed he gets to pucks he's for like you know how many times so many times he goes in and forechecks their defenseman behind their net and he just gets there and immediately takes the puck and he's already looking to the slot for that guy coming in they scored a goal like that the other night that's what I love about the guy so not to put you on the spot here but what's uh storyline or a current event that has you fired up lately. What has me fired up is Frederick Anderson. And like we we talk about him all the time and we all know how great he is, but I don't think anyone's really talking about how much better he is this season than he's been the last two seasons. Like I see a monumental difference in this guy. And I don't think it could be understated that at all that he is without this guy, this hockey team, it may not even be a playoff team. Like, oh, they they're in my opinion, without Freddie Anderson, they're chasing they're in the mix with Pittsburgh and Montreal and Columbus competing for a wild card spot. Like you look at the standings right now, like they're nine points up on the Habs. So like they're well into a playoff spot. That's because the, the reason they are quote unquote well into a playoff spot is because of Frederick Anderson. They, they do have a don't at me about they that. They do have a weak division. So maybe this year, even without Frederick Anderson, they would probably make the playoffs anyways. But and I know every hockey team in this league needs a good goalie. Like without a good goalie, you're nothing. But if you just look at the game last night, like you cannot say that this guy, like, without this guy, if they just had a mediocre goalie back there, like, this team would struggle, man. He made so many 10-bell saves last night in oh, important man, times, night. and he made it look easy and flashy and good, and he's so calm, and he's just, he's got me fired up because I'm so proud to finally have a goalie like this in this market where for years, for years, man, they, they were brutal in that position they had nothing joke after joke in here so it's nice to have a guy who's finally like you know what this guy's gonna make some unbelievable saves tonight if you didn't watch the game last night you got up this morning and just checked like the stats and the scoreline it's like you would have thought oh the Leafs rolled the Calgary Flames and it's like uh no the Leafs won 6-2 because Frederick Anderson was out of his mind unconscious save after save after save and the Flames goaltending Whose name is escaping me? What's his David name? David Riddick. David Riddick. Or Riddich, whatever you want to go with. He was not out of his mind amazing. No. So that's what's got me fired up. Just how good this guy's been. And dude, I love watching him. Like he's if he's not in that Vesna conversation, he might not win it because there's some other goalies having ridiculous years as well. But 
those teams probably have a better defense in their own end than the Leafs do. So this guy better be a finalist for that trophy because he's been stupid good. I always want to say Mike Smith, but he's he's the one who's battling for the position with David. Yeah, Riddick. well, the, both of them have struggled a, a ton this year, so it's kind of a rotating goalie situation in Calgary. All right, my turn. The play of Mitch Marner has me fired up. This guy is, he makes a difference every time he's out there. Last night, NHLPR tweets out, Mitch Marner is, here I'll read the tweet. Mitch Marner is the first Maple Leafs player to record 80 points in 66 or fewer games since Doug Gilmore in the 1993-94 season. Do you remember that season, Ryan? Oh yeah, buddy. Do you remember what episode of Rock of uh, Do you remember what edition of Rock'em Sock'em that Rock'em season was? Rock'em Sock'em Six, the goat of Rock'em Sock'ems. Yeah, the goat of Rock'em Sock'ems for sure. Still have the so, VHS laying around somewhere. We'll get into some of the uh, periphery stuff around that tweet in a second, but I just want to touch on on Marner in general. Like this guy, every time he's out there. He makes something happen. And one of the things that I loved last night on the TSN broadcast is Ray Ferraro highlighting his 200-foot game and his his play in the defensive zone, which I think is a super underrated part of Mitch's game. Everyone likes to highlight the way he moves with the puck and how he sets up Hyman and how he sets up Johnny T and how he makes things happen in the offensive zone. But, man, his... He's always the first back on that line. He's always picking up his guy. He is unbelievable. Again, yet again, last week, there's another just heartwarming video of him meeting the little seven-year-old fan who has leukemia and having like a birthday party for her afterwards. Like, what an absolute beauty this guy is. Yeah, like that. that's just... That's just slam dunk stuff. If you have the opportunity to do that and you're a good enough guy, if and he clearly he is a good enough guy and that and he's gracious with his time and that's just a slam dunk easy great thing to do. Oh, 100%. Like what an absolute beauty. So the the little girl Hayden turned 7. She's been dealing with leukemia. He says she's my hero. Like this guy, man, like come on like I do some uh I go on the radio saga 960 with David Bassel and Mike Richards from time to time if you follow us on Instagram you probably know that and yesterday he asked me who I envisioned being the next Leafs captain and I said you know Matthews is probably the consensus choice and I like Morgan Riley and blah blah and he said Marner for all the reasons I just listed and I gotta be honest Ryan it when it comes to embodying a maple leaf Marner is is blowing everyone else away in that cat. Not to say the other guys don't do charitable work. I'm not saying that at all. But if someone wants to argue that Mitch Marner should be the next captain of the Maple Leafs, there is a more than valid argument for yeah, that. He's the hometown growing boy. You know that's the we we love that storyline. Oh, I don't love that storyline, but that me the media loves that storyline. Oh yeah, do they ever? All right, I'm fired oh. up about. Zach Hyman's play as of late. There we go. This nice. guy, you know, we've always we always threw the we always threw the blame on Hyman when Austin Matthews was going through some offensive struggles over the past couple of years when they were paired up. But I know when you play with Mitch Marner, you just got to get open, and usually the puck will find you. But 
you know what? Like this guy, you, if you're if you're negative about Zach Hyman in any sort of way, then you're just a hater. Like you're just a straight up hater because this guy's a beauty, just an absolute beauty. Just now he's chipping in with a bunch of goals, but like just a four. Ch- if we had a whole team of Zach Hyman's, but which is a little bit more hands, they'd win the Stanley Cup. I've never seen a guy work harder shift after shift. And I know that's what you're supposed to do when you're a hockey player is give effort. But that's not the case for every guy. This guy just... And, and talk about a guy off the ice, too. This guy is like his own... He writes children's books. He's got his own, like, video game company or, like, his own gaming company. Like, what a what a legend this guy is. Like, I'm so impressed with him as late. He's, he's a joy to watch. I wholeheartedly agree with the statement that... If you have anything negative to say about Zach Hyman at this point, you're a hater. You are just a flat-out, stubborn hater. Yeah, 100%, man. All right, now, Ryan, what's leaving me out in the cold? So I'm going to set this up in an interesting way. We just talked about Mitch Marner, and I read the tweet about... Mitch Marner being the first to record 80 points in 66 games since Doug Giller. A certain Boston Bruin responded to that tweet last night. One Brad Marchand said, I can't wait to see this kid's new deal. 12 million AAV, it better be. Hashtag Marner Watch. Let me get to the big picture on this, Ryan. First of all, that was I, I saw that and I, I LOL'd. I thought that was very funny. But the purpose of that tweet is to troll the Toronto media and the Toronto fans and to send the message all you guys are just glowing about this Maple Leaf team and guess what we're gonna run them over in the first round just like we did last year yeah which brings me to which brings me to my point one of the things that it lets leaving me out in the cold is the Maple Leafs and they've struggled with it all year and we saw it again in the Islander game last week their inability to adapt to the style of game that doesn't suit them. What I mean by that is when the Leafs go into Calgary last night and the Flames want to play the wide open stretch pass, trading punches, goal for goal type style, the Leafs will play that with you all day. And they will beat you playing that style. What we saw from the New York Islanders last week and what we've seen from the Boston Bruins time and time again is when you take away time and space and start laying in the physicality and start putting pressure on the Leafs in their own zone, they have a very difficult time responding. And going into the playoffs against a fir- with a first-round matchup against the Boston Bruins... I don't know. Listen, they've had a great year. They're going to if probably tie, if not break, the record for f- wins by this franchise again this year. If they were in any other division, they'd be either first or second in the division. They're they're an elite team in the NHL. But because of that, because I still am not seeing an ability to adapt to these different types of hockey games. You you can't you can't feel good about this first round against the Bruins, especially if the Bruins win home ice advantage, which 
they're going to be battling for for the rest of the season. Am I wrong in thinking I don't think one person who covers hockey in this country, in America, any hockey fan who's rational believes for a second that the Maple Leafs are going to be favored in that series against the Boston Bruins. Like, not a chance. And a lot of people won't even give them a chance to win. And a lot of those people live and cheer for this hockey team in Toronto. So it's just, it, dude, like, it's it's scary. Like, I'm actually like, you know what? All these great stories about Mitch Marner and his points and the fourth line, Tyler Ennis. But we all know when it comes down, game one, and we're in TD Garden. Because my hot take right now is the Maple Leafs are not finishing ahead of the Boston Bruins at the end of the season. I'll predict that right now. And that first game in the TD Garden, they're going to get another wake-up call. Just like they did last year. And hopefully they've learned. We always talk about playoff experience and how important it is. But we all know once that puck drops in game one at a TD Garden, there was going to be a rude awakening and a punch in the face and a slap in the face coming towards the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they need to play to win that series. There was a a quote from Jeff Merrick yesterday on Good Show on Fan 590. Merrick was on at the top of the show yesterday and they started talking about the Leafs. And he summed up this as, as perfectly as I've heard anyone sum it up. He was talking about the Winnipeg Jets because of their ability to adapt and play any sort of style that their opponent wants to throw at them, which obviously got them talking about the Leafs and what we're talking about right now. So I'm going to, I actually listened to the podcast and typed the quote out because I just love it so much. Jeff Merrick said, quote, there are just certain types of games that the Maple Leafs look like they want no part of. Because that is not the composition of this team yet. And they're not skilled enough at that super elite level to say, okay, these guys want to take this game into the mud. We can rise above it and play our game and still win. They're not there yet. No one's saying they won't be. We all think they will, but they're still really young. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That is the most spot on thing I've heard they, they they want to like the way Babcock talks about it and the way the guys talk about it is they say well you know if you want to take if you want to start roughing it up against us you're going to take penalties and we're going to outskill you and score on the power play and all that sort of stuff and it's like Tampa's there Tampa's at that point where you can't play stupid against them because they'll make you pay every single time I just I just don't think the Leafs are there yet and it's concerns me yeah the dude Tampa, look at their, they're the top power play in the league. Kucherov is 41 points on the power play. That's a team that can go out and be like, we'll kill you on the power play and they mean it and they will. Like don't, anyone who's watched this Maple Leaf power play all year, even though they've shown some improvement in the last, I don't know, couple weeks or so, but you know, this team cannot kill the Bruins on the power play. Like they need, I'm quoting you, I'm, paraphrasing you right now the big dogs need to step up in that series the Matthews the Marner the Riley and Anderson needs to be unreal but in saying that also I think last night against the Flames is something we talked about at the beginning of the year we talked about the forward depth and how all lines can score and last night if a four if their fourth line can get a little mad like they're not going to do that every night but if they can get a little magic from from now until the end of the year and the playoffs, 
Like, if you want to beat the Bruins, if you can go out and get uh, two points, two goals out of your fourth line, because the Bruins, like, they can't, the, the Maple Leafs cannot stop that top line. We know that. And I don't think they have an answer for that top line. Well, so, well, Merrick, again, not, not, just to interject, Ryan, yesterday, again, they were talking about, like, toughness. And Merrick's like, the main problem with the Leafs and the Bruins isn't toughness. It's that the Leafs don't have an answer to the Bergeron line. So worry yeah. about that before you worry about hanging in with the Bruins with their, like, toughness-wise. And the Bruins, like, some people say, yeah, the, the Maple Leafs have a lot more depth than the Bruins. I don't know if that's, like, soup. I don't know if that's all the truth. Like, the Bruins are still pretty, pretty stacked up. Do I think the Leafs have more scoring depth? Yes, and that's the point I'm kind of getting to right now. If you can get that fourth line to chip in a couple goals and my icy take coming up next leads to that third line right now without Kadri but say they get Kadri back and that line's good if they can go into that series and Kadri is a big series against the Bruins like that will go a long way in beating that hockey team as well as the big dogs doing what they have to do to shut down that top line and contribute offensively so you just alluded to it your icy take yeah, I'll be quick with this icy take because you don't need to go in a lot of detail. If you're a fan of this team and you've been watching the games, you know since Nazem Kadri's gone out, that third line with William Nylander in the middle with with the two anchors he has on his wings, like, dude, that line five on five is brutal and irrelevant and they don't do anything. Like, Connor Brown and Patrick Marlowe on the same line on both wings is a disaster right now. And... I think they need Kadri back. Like, I know he's going to be back before the playoffs. I just hope he gets enough games in to kind of get his legs back because I don't mind Willie at center, but if you could put Willie on one of those wings and just, I wish they could healthy Marlowe so bad. Well, like Ryan, I'll piggyback off this and say, who's leaving me out in the cold talking buds listener. Stop me. If you've heard this before, but Mike Babcock is leaving me out in the cold. Because to your point, Ryan, if I go online tomorrow, because Kadri practiced with the team today, it's a game. He's going to be a game time tomorrow. If Nassim Kadri is back in the lineup, and Trevor Moore or Tyler Ennis are up in the press box because of that, so th- this guy needs to be held accountable. Connor Brown needs to go up in the press box. He is horrendous and has been horrendous all season long. And you have no faith that he's going to be the one who gets put up in the press box because he's a good player. He's a good pro. Brownie's a good pro. He's in the weight room every day. He's a good pro. And it's like, I don't care. He stinks. Yeah, dude, he does nothing out there. He does nothing. He literally contributes nothing. He doesn't contribute I know he had 20 goals his first year, but like any random dude in the league could just have a good year and score 20 goals. So you're telling me you think that third line would be better if you flip the wingers between the third line and the fourth line? Yeah, I think the wingers on the fourth line are way better than the wingers on the third line just from what they bring on a shift-to-shift basis. Like forget the offensive production that they had last night, just how they impact a game and how they forecheck and and how they create opportunities. Like, I'll take those two. I'll take Moore and Ennis over Marlowe and Brown. Like, they got. I wish they could healthy Marlowe or Brown, dude. Like, they're just... I know you can't do it to Marlowe because it would just crush the room, and he's 
he's just besties with everyone and he's a legend. You kind of got to pay respect, but I almost wish we didn't live in a world like that because he's just, he's brutal, man. Ryan, so help me God. If I see tomorrow that either Brown or Ennis are up in the, or excuse me, either Moore or Ennis are up in the press box in favor of Connor Brown, I am going to lose my mind. They, you, dude, they, you're get ready to lose your mind then. Be prepared. Wake up early. Get your coffee in you. Maybe have two because you're going to be going nuts because it's exactly what's going to happen. Also, also, if I have to watch another second of this, and I know Gardner and Dermot are out for the foreseeable future, and Callie Rosen's hurt too, so they're kind of hamstrung, but, and I know it's about right shot, left shot. That Martin Marinson, Igor Ozhiganov defense pairing, oh, oh, dude, oh, it hurts my eyes. I almost, dude, I've almost like we've ripped into Marinson the past couple of years, and he's just, he's just brutal. You almost wonder how he even got to the NHL when you watch him out there. But like, I can't even blame this guy. Like, he's just being put in a position he just cannot succeed in. Like, it's just like... like he's ju- just not an NHL hockey player. Just, and he's being put in a position, and he's just can't... He can't deliver. You're telling me Justin Hole isn't a better option than either one of those guys? Like, Mike really? Babcock hates Justin Hall, just like how he hated Frankie Corrado. And again... He hates them. He needs to be held accountable for this sort of stuff, Ryan. Like, like this guy's ego is absolutely out of control it's out of control and guess what if he doesn't get it in check these types of decisions that he makes are gonna end up getting him in hot water and you're gonna start hearing the two words sheldon keith a lot more on radio stations and in news articles and everything around this town because these stubborn decisions they make no sense they make no sense well, if you had to change, like, who would hold him accountable? Like, who would hold him accountable? Shani. I don't think Kyle Dubas is Shani. walking into his office it's and be like, Shani. hey, Babcock. And Shanny was the guy who did everything he could. He moved heaven and earth to make this guy the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs because well, he respects him so much. Ryan, well, one thing that I do know is that what does MLSE do when they sign guys? They front load their deals. So Mike Babcock's already been paid the vast majority of the $50 million that he was owed. And if there's, and if there's a company on this planet that can eat a few extra million for a guy like perfect example, Nathan Horton to not be associated with the team. It's MLSE. So at this point, I'm not not suggesting, sorry, sorry to cut you off there. I'm not suggesting that they're going to, they're going to fire Babcock or that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm just saying that like, there's already a big contingent of the fan base that is just like over the stubborn attitude and over the 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 decisions that just don't make sense on a nightly basis and it's like he if he keeps doing this and he keeps shunning guys like justin hull like like this guy like what is this guy doing he's just sat up in the press box all year he gets in there for one game first time he's played he's played like three four games all year obviously doesn't look good and you just shove him back up there again in favor of marty marinson like are, are you out of your mind yeah, well, it's just that's the way it is. You think if Eugene Melnick was the owner of the Maple Leafs, that Babcock would have been in 
hot water even fired by now? 100%. Probably, but this franchise, the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point in time, with Brendan Shanahan running the ship as the president, it's not like an individual owner can start having a temper tantrum, call their GM or president and be like, you got you to get this guy out of here. You got to fire him. It's going to take a lot for Mike Babcock to get fired. I don't think it's going to be as simple as three first round exits in a row. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a special situation. He's making so much money. His prestige around the league is so high and we've been around him for so long that we're questioning all those things now because it's human nature. You're around someone long enough, kind of everything else goes away and you just kind of judge them off recency bias or like recent events. So I just don't think that as, as much as we're sick of it and no one gets it. I'm sure there's some people who are like, Oh yeah, Babcock, he's, he knows, he knows what he's doing, but everyone who follows this team or covers this team questions his decision-making. And it's so frustrating when he's just so obsessed with a guy and he'll do whatever to get, do whatever he takes to get the guy out there and never sit him or always play him. But I just don't believe that just three first round exits and a couple questionable fourth or third pair, fourth line or third pairing healthy decisions is going to get this guy fired halfway through his contract. Like I see this guy getting multiple and multiple chances to try to get this team over the hump well, because I- that's what the pitch was. And that's what the plan was. As soon as he signed here with Brendan Shanahan and I know Kyle Dubas is new in here and he's technically the GM, but I think when Bab- Babcock and Shanny just have that special bond, they were at that table being like, this is what we want to do when we sign you for this eight year deal. And I see them giving him chance after chance to try to do that before his contract runs out or before they decide to fire him. Well, listen, I, I don't think he's going to get fired. Let, let me clarify that. I'm saying these types of decisions should land him in hot water and he should have to explain to his boss and I know Babcock's ego is the size of planet earth and I'm sure he does not like or consider Kyle Dubas his boss so I hope that Brendan Shanahan is asking him why is Justin Hole in the press box for the basically the entire season and why if, if you want to give our team the best chance to win, why is Marty Marinson on the ice? Yeah, dude. I, I'm going to pop, up, gonna pop a brain the left cell. Or right, it's the left or right shot deal. I, dude, he's put Marinson in there over so many guys over the past couple of years. It's brutal. Like it's, it's not just now. It's it's For some reason, he's got some sort of Marty Marinson's got a picture of Babcock somewhere and he flashes it to him whenever there's a chance to get in the lineup because he always puts him in there. It's brutal. All right, we need to get off this topic. I'm going to faint. Face is all red sitting here talking about this. It just gets on my nerves so much. I want to ha- I want to have one more icy take before we move on from this. Or right. who's leaving me out in the cold? And I don't want to frame this as like I I'm like upset or anything. I just I just want to say it like this. Ryan, I'm starting to get a little worried about Austin Matthews again. Okay. Lay out your concerns right now because I don't think 
you're the only guy in this boat. I think there's people who are just Austin Matthews till they die, no matter what he does. Oh, dude, he I, I mentioned goals. this. Dude, I mentioned this at work today, and like I said it like that. Like I said, I'm worried about him. That's all I said, and I got carved at work today. Carved. People are just like, "Wow, you're criticizing our star player." Blah blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. I am not. Listen. If anyone's listening to this show, no one loves Austin Matthews more than you and me. No one. But I'm worried about him in the sense that, like, I don't know what's going on with him. He's back to playing on the perimeter. Like, you watch him compared to, like, a Marner. Marner's out there. He's all over the ice. He's making things happen. He's getting the puck. He's setting guys up. He's doing all kind of stuff. And I understand that's not Matthews' game. Matthews is more of a pure goal scorer. And maybe needs like a Marner type to get him the puck. Which, Kasperi Kapanen, for instance, that guy is north-south. He's not east-west. He's flying up and down the ice and flying back to his own zone. And Janssen is, I guess Janssen could be that guy. But I just, I don't know, Ryan, if he's scared to get hurt. Like he's scared of his shoulders getting re-injured and he doesn't want to miss more time. I don't know if maybe he's like struggled a little bit and his confidence is a little shaken, but it's just like he he doesn't, he's not as effective as I think he should be. Your boy, you, it's just, I feel like where everyone gets stuck is comparing him to other top guys in the league because there's hockey, hockey analysts and hockey fans voting this guy as a top 10 player in the NHL. And you see other top players and other top teams in the league, and they're putting up like four point nights, and they're already at 70, 80 points. I know he missed a lot of time, but what you're missing from a guy who's supposed to be this elite is a guy who puts in those like three point games, those one goal, two assists, those two goals, one assist, maybe the odd four point night. But it's, I think the clock turned on this guy as soon as he inked that deal. And even though I'm happy they got it done in the season, but it puts way more expectation on this guy. And dude, what, dude, when I'm just watching him out there, like he's not, I don't know what happened to like his puck protection game. Like when he's coming down the ice, he gets in the ozone and he's kind of along the wall. He tries to make these fancy triple a plays. Like he's trying to like get through these guys feet, trying to do these fancy moves through his own feet instead of being the size that he is and protecting the puck with his body because he's such a strong kid. And it's just, he's not dominant. You're right. He's not dominating possession. He's not dominating the play. It's a lot of get the puck, try a fancy move, get taken from you. It's down the ice. And we've seen him dominate before Ryan, like the start of the year, he was dominating. Yeah, exactly. Oh dude. Yeah. Those first five games, like he, it was silly. We were talking about like, 50 to 60 goals for this guy and the injury, whatever. But like he was dominating and now it's just like people can bring up his line mates, but he's playing with two pretty damn good hockey players right now. And I know everyone's like, yeah, well, Nylander's got to be back on that line. Nylander's got to be back on that line. But it's not like he's playing. Last year was like, oh, Hyman, he's not, he's not too offensive. He's playing with two damn good hockey players right now. And he still looks largely ineffective he'll chip in with his goals and he'll always have a outstanding goal total and that's worth a lot in this league don't get me wrong but you just want to see a guy of his stature and 
a guy who's held in such high regard to just dominate the play a little bit more in all zones, even in his own zone. Like we're just talking about the O zone right now. In his own zone, he's he doesn't look very good either. Well, that's what I mean when I say I'm like kind of worried about him. Is it's like he it looks mental. Like it looks like it, it looks like he, he's like like I said. I don't know if he's um worried about re-injuring himself. I don't know if you're right, if he's feeling the pressure from the contract. I don't know if he's just been kind of slumping a little bit, so his confidence isn't where it should be. It's just, yeah, I I, I would, like, if we're going to defeat the Boston Bruins in the first round, Austin Matthews has to be one of, if not the best player night in and night out and the way he's playing right now has me concerned there's still time left to figure it out he has he's not he hasn't been terrible like again I think people get like going to protective mode with Matthews where it's like you're criticizing him and it's like I'm not saying he's terrible I love Austin Matthews but I just I want him to get back to the place he was at the beginning of the season where he was just like an outright dominant hockey player and if you want to be considered one of the top guys in the league and make top guy money, you got to do a little more than just like the average guy. Like you can't just be the the one guy who chips in a goal every other game. Like you got to do a little bit more than that. And he's capable of more of that. We're almost just like disappointed. I'm not hating on that guy. I'm just like kind of disappointed that at this point in the season, he's not willing or not, he's not able to take over a hockey game. He's still a young guy though, too. That's the thing is I think he still has to like a bit of growing up to do. Like he's still a kid, right? So it's like that, that's part of it. Like I, I want to reference one more thing I heard yesterday. Um, this is turning into the fan 590 promotion show, but you and I admittedly say all the time, we listen to a ton of sports radio yesterday on uh, Leafs morning skate. Jeff Blair was talking to Andre DeVoe and Sean Mathias, and Blair said, Austin Matthews has 14 hits all season. And the other two guys actually laughed. And again, Matthews isn't that type of guy. I think everyone wants him to be that type of guy. I don't know if he'll ever be that big of like a banger. Never. 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 But, Never. but they brought up an interesting point, which like... To bring back, um, to bring up Brad Marchand again, they said before the game, all the players look at the stats. So they're saying, you're telling me that a guy like Brad Marchand doesn't look at that and say, this guy's got 14 hits, so I can run him all night and he's not going to do anything to me. And it's like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that is like, that's the next level we got to go to. Not having the other guys think that way about you. I know, and but that's that's the reputation that's out there right now. And it, dude, it's not just him on the team. Like, I love Mitch Marner, but Mitch Marner's not out there banging bodies either. I know he works hard, but like, there's no one on that hockey team that's going to be banging bodies other than Zach Hyman and really. Muzzin. Like, Muzzin, and Muzzin, yeah, yeah Muzzin, Muzzin will, will lay out the odd hit as well. And it's good to see Zaitsev throw an elbow on Kachuk. Like, if you're not, if you're going to be a horrible with the puck, you might as well piss off the other team while you're doing it be effective in another way. It's one thing I loved about Leo Komarov. Maybe the guy was useless on the offensive side of the puck, but at least he would piss somebody off in the in the process of doing that. And there's missing guys like that right now. Rob, my brother, got a little question for you. What's that, Ryan? If people are unaware about the Talk of Buds podcast, where can they hear us? Where can they find us? Well, Ryan, 
They can hear the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. They can also follow our daily posts on Instagram at TalkinBudsPodcast, on Twitter at TalkinBudsPod, and do not forget to hit that little subscribe button and leave a little five-star review and be a absolute bod. Thank you for the support, everybody. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Let's take a look at the week ahead. Wednesday night, the Maple Leafs are in Vancouver to take on the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Peterson or Peterson? Peterson or Peterson? I don't know, man. I'm done with this. You're done. Done with this pronunciation of names. You're done. Tavares, Tavares, Nylander, Nylander, Marner, Marner. Like, just make up your mind. Pick one. Is it Chase on? Chase on? I'm pretty sure it's Tavares, no? He said uh, he was on overdrive when he first signed. Oh, I'm plugging another radio station. Yeah, now yeah. We're, now we're on the 1050 side, but he did an interview with them saying it's either. Yeah, we're going to have to just change the name of this podcast to Dudes Who Listen to Toronto Sports Radio. And just do a podcast on the side. Yep. All right. Um, so the Canucks here, they got 63 points. They are currently out of a playoff spot. Um, this theoretically should be a, a game, like a favorable matchup for the Maple Leafs, in your opinion? Yeah, well, I think the whole wet, they got through the toughest team in the West already. Like, they should beat all these Western Canadian teams. I think they're going to have a good road trip, personally. Well, Ryan... You know where they are on Saturday night, buddy. Your best buddy. You're going to fly down there and ask for a seat in the in the box where the management sits. The house that Mac T built. Oh, yeah. You're going to be down there. You're going to be wearing your Oilers jersey. Yep. You'll, you'll have your McTavish jersey on with no bucket. Oh, yeah, baby. The Edmonton Oilers. Leafs beat up on the Oilers last week. I mean... The Oilers are the Oilers. You never know with the Leafs. Like I'm sure the Oilers. Yeah, the Leafs get... could stink it up any it's night. It's like it, it, these two teams are weak. But let's not sit here and pretend this is just because they're playing two weak teams. They're gonna roll them. Like they're lucky that they're not two physical hockey teams. Like Edmonton does have some grit, but they've been brutal. Vancouver's underwhelming. They got some good skill, but. Let's not sit here and be like, this is two easy wins. They could easily just get rolled in both those games and play like absolute crap. Monday night, Ryan. The Maple Leafs return home. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are at Scotiabank Arena in a big one. The Leafs have played the Lightning well this year. Both times they played them, I thought they looked pretty good. Well, it comes back to our earlier episodes debate on the better matchup in the playoffs between the Lightning and the Bruins. 
I think they match up better with the Lightning personally. Why? You know what? Like, how can you not? You almost have to come to that conclusion now. Like, it's if anyone thinks they match up better against the Bruins, like you're almost like we know they just match up horribly. Yeah, they do. They do match up horribly. They don't have to though. That's what makes it so frustrating. It's so yeah, important. But they for just them. do. They just do. It's so important for them to get home ice advantage. Like right now, they're currently the Bruins have 87 points. The Leafs have 86. The Leafs don't have a game in hand anymore. The Bruins are currently tied 2-2 with the Carolina Hurricanes. Which that'd be really good if the Hurricanes could pull out a W. Yeah, well, hopefully by the time this podcast airs that there is a W on the Carolina Hurricanes. They're wearing the Whalers jerseys tonight, too. Nice. So yeah. I just, like, it's it's so important. Like, every guy in that room who went through that last year needs to just, like, you got to remember how important home ice is. I, I do not want to play another Game 7 at TD Garden. My quota of Game 7s at TD Garden is full. I don't need any more Game 7s in Boston. Well, you might as well hit the tut music right now, buddy, because you're kind of leading me into my tut. All right, so we are going to do, for the first time in a few weeks, a totally unqualified take, baby. It's time for Talking Buds. Totally unqualified takes. That's right. Totally unqualified takes. First one in a few episodes. Ryan, you just teased yours. Lay it on me, buddy. Well, that's two teases in the show right now. But, you know... Future ones, we, we, we want to get, we want to know, like, if I if I want to do a tut that's recent, I can think of something, but I feel so strongly about this that I'm going to make it my tut this episode. All right, so all listeners and everybody, make a note that Ryan is announcing this on March the 5th, episode 22. About a month away from the playoffs, and my tut is that the Boston Bruins will finish second in the division and the Toronto Maple Leafs will finish third in the division and you will go to TD Garden again for that game one, game two, game five, game seven potentially. It's going to be Boston home ice advantage. That is my episode 22, March 5th. Oh no, March 5th? Yeah, March 5th. March 5th tut. Yeah, well, you know, there you know there's some truth to it. All right, Ryan, I'm going to do a more recent tut. The Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday night play the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm predicting a Leafs victory at home over the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they're going to play well and I think Freddie Anderson is going to steal them a W. And when we come well, on next really week, you really don't have a choice. Exactly. And when we come on next week, we can review if I was right or not. And maybe the Bruins will be so far ahead of the Leafs in the standings that my tet will already be confirmed. Oh, don't joke about something like that, Ryan. Please don't joke about that. Yeah, but dude, this team, like, they're just, they're hitting that other gear that the Maple Leafs don't have right now. Or, or they have the past couple weeks. 
that gear to just step on the throat and just win some hockey games one way or the other. Skilled or physical, pick your battle. They will beat you at either. Yeah. I don't disagree, Ryan. So before we uh, call it quits here on the 22nd episode, got some good feedback a couple weeks ago about our little, like we picked a team, a non-Leaf team to talk about in the Edmonton Oilers. So there's one team that I do want to talk about. We talked a little bit about them last week, but let's talk about them again. The Columbus Blue Jackets go out and acquire Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, Adam McQuaid, who's already been scratched by torts, and load up to go on a big playoff run. And man, oh man, oh man. They lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They barely beat the Philadelphia Flyers. They lose 4 nothing to the Edmonton Oilers. 4 nothing, And then Sunday night loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Ryan, what's your take on it, on this team that's seemingly gone all in to try and go on a run here? And they might not even make the playoffs. They're currently not sitting in a playoff position. I'm hanging on the edge on this one, personally. Because you got two superstars, one in your net, one as a forward, who have already basically confirmed that they're gone at the end of the year. So what do you do in a struggling hockey market that's just been brutal since they've entered the league? Just no success whatsoever. They finally have a good hockey team. It's a tough position, man. Like I don't I do I would never want to be in that position. Do you tell your fan base we're going for it and we have the guys right now, they're leaving, but while they're here, we're going to make a run for it. We're going to make this exciting for the fan base. Let's just go out and get some get some dudes to make our hockey team better and give us a chance. Or do you look at your struggling fan base and go, sorry, we're a crappy hockey market and good players don't want to play here, so let's just get rid of these guys and we'll just rebuild again. Or just try to find those guys, try to replace those two guys that we're going to have to get rid of because they're leaving. I just, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of in the boat of like, let's just go for it. Like, why not? Like it's Columbus. Like this isn't, this isn't a hockey market that's just going to bring in the dough and have fans returning no matter what. It's, it's, it's a not non-traditional hockey market. But the problem with that is, is they're not even in a playoff spot right now. They're not even in a playoff spot. So it's like, you make all those deals and it's like, ah, we're still kind of, we're still two points out and we haven't looked great. And maybe the coach doesn't like the new guys as much as, we thought he would. So it's 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 a tr- it's a hard situation. I, I give them credit for going for it, but it's not like they're well into a playoff spot. They're still fighting to get in there, man. So it, it could be ugly if they don't make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, are you buying into this Matt Duchesne curse? I I I, I Matt Duchesne's a I'm not a Matt Duchesne guy at all. But that's if it, I, that's actually a thing, right? Like he, it like, just, like, what's going on? Like, every team he goes to, they can't do anything. Yeah, because he kind of, he's kind of in that Berkey, like, like, if you listen to Bride Burke talk about him, probably, it's like, he's just a guy you don't want on your hockey team, because he's not a competitive guy, he doesn't bring any sandpaper, he's a skilled player who chips in offensively, but he's not a game changer, he's not a game breaker, he's the ability to do it, but... He doesn't, and it's just, 
I, 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 buy, I would not want Matt Deshane on my hockey team. If I was a general manager and someone was like, give me a decent player and I'll give you Matt Deshane, I would just go, you know what? Some people might call me stupid, but I'm not doing it. I just don't see it with this guy. I don't see him as a winner. I don't see him as a guy wanting the trenches come April, May, June. Just no. No, 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 no. Interesting. Very interesting. We'll have to wait and see how this plays out. All right, Rye. I think that'll do it for episode 22. We will be back next week, as always. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. We'll see you then. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. To the Blue Hotel I wanna live at the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality. Theme-based with special guests. Blue Hotel Hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.